0: Praise God praise God give thanks to the Father in all in all that you say and do well amen amen sing glory hallelujah Christ the Lord has died for you praise God praise God give thanks to the Father in all in all that you say and do well amen Amen, sing glory, hallelujah. Christ the Lord has risen for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do well, Amen. Amen. Sing glory hallelujah. Christ the Lord is living for you. Praise God. Praise God. Give thanks to the Father in all. In all that you say and do well, Amen. Amen. Sing glory. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Christ the Lord is coming for you. Good morning. Good evening. No matter where you are, welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey I'm your host Bruce Kessler and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ because you're seeing him alone I find peace to our happiness. I am blessed beyond measure more than I can ever deserve. My goal here is very simple that is to encourage you friend along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment we're going to be completing our study in Revelations chapter 3 talking about the church in Philadelphia. But before we get to that study, we've got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Well, get this. This is very interesting indeed. Archaeologists from Hebrew University running an excavation in the Judean desert have discovered a rare inscription of Psalms chapter 86 on the side of a building stone. Jesus Christ, guard me for I am poor and needy, guard my life for I am faithful to you. The adapted words of King David's original Hebrew Psalms are painted in red letters on the side of a large building stone underneath a cross. The inscription of Psalms 86 is one of the only Koine Greek psalm inscriptions ever found on rock as opposed to parchment paper. It is inscribed in the same Greek the New Testament of the Bible was recorded in. According to the Times of Israel, a 5th century CE community of Byzantine Christian monks is suspected to have left the inscription behind. The priest was not native Greek speaker, said Dr. Avner Ecker of Bar Island University. But likely someone from the region who was raised speaking a Semitic language. In addition to that, a small gold ring hailing from Persia was discovered alongside the stone marking of the Psalms. "Mashallah," or God has willed it, was inscribed on the ring, which dates back to the seventh or eighth century. Well there you go folks, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting indeed? Archeologists discover unique inscription of Psalms 86 in Judean desert. Well they keep digging, they keep finding things that proves the Bible is true and unique. When I hear something that will stun you, I guarantee it. A former Christian student at a Chicago public school reacted to winning $150,000 after she alleged in a lawsuit that while on campus she was forced into participating in Hindu rituals according to the original complaint. You got it, folks. You got it. I'm a very strong Christian, Mariah Green said, In an interview with Fox News Digital, she said a woman who was teaching her meditation in mandated quiet time asked her to bow to an image of a foreign deity she did not recognize. The woman teaching the meditation said it would help her internalize the mantras and bring her to Zen. Green believes that she was Nearly forced into idol worship, like I'm in school right now. Why is, why is that we are having to learn how to meditate in this way? I just knew it wasn't right. So that's what made me take the initiative and go home and tell my parent and my auntie, who was my minister at the time, that I didn't feel comfortable with what they were forcing me to do at school. The only time I kneel was when I was at the altar at church, or when. I'm praying or I'm kneeling down to God because that was the way that we were taught, but not kneeling to an idol. It was inappropriate. The complaint originally filed by law firm Mock and Baker in February alleged that the compelled rituals violated her deeply held religious beliefs during the quiet time program implemented at the Chicago Public Schools. The district said it terminated the program in 2020 and denied that at any time violated any of the students' constitutional rights. It was used as what was called quiet time, a meditation-based social-emotional learning tool which develops programs to serve populations dealing with violence and trauma. The program encompassed the practice of transcendental meditation and the repetition of mantras, which were fundamentally religious in nature according to the complaint. The students were informed the mantras were meaningless words, but after Green did some research, she found they were actually the names of Hindu gods according to the lawsuit. Green said, Students were informed not to tell anyone about their mantras because if it got out, it wouldn't be as effective. Green also alleged that students were shown a picture of a guru and were asked to bow to it during the puja ceremony according to the complaint." Well, there you go, folks. Isn't that stunning? Stunning indeed! Christian student wins $150,000 after public school allegedly tried to force her into idol worship there you go folks we're living in a crazy mad world they'll do anything if we're not careful and you need to be on your toes with your kids in whatever school that they're in honestly isn't that stunning christian student wins hundred fifty thousand dollars after public school allegedly tried to force her into idol worship. Good great. You just shake your head at what some of these school systems are trying to pull. My oh my. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. And now this day in church history. In 887 A.D., learning was at a low ebb in England. Danish invaders had destroyed its centers of learning in the monasteries and killed monks and burned their irreplaceable manuscripts. King Alfred, hoping to restore some of what had been lost, summoned Aesir, a well-educated Welsh clergyman, to his kingdom. Seeing that the restoration of Latin literature was impossible, Alfred determined to provide his people with essential works in their own tongue. It was on this day in November 11, 887 A.D. that Alfred took his first step toward creating a vernacular literature two centuries before other Western European nations did the same with their native languages. As it records and says this, On a certain day we were both of us sitting in the king's chamber, talking on all kinds of subjects as usual, and it happened that I read to him a quotation out of a certain book. He heard it attentively with both of his ears, and addressed me with a thoughtful mind, showing me at the same time a book which he carried in his bosom, wherein the daily courses and psalms and prayers which he had read in his youth were written and he commanded me to write the same quotation in that book. Now when that first quotation was copied, he was eager at once to read and to interpret in Saxon and then to teach others. There you go, folks. Early translations into Old English, 887. A.D., two centuries before other Western European nations did the same with their native languages. Interesting indeed. And that's this day in church history. Now folks, we have a little bit of fun and name that Bible character. Here is your clue, here is your clue. I said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Who am I? Here's your clue one more time. I said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Who am I? We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible character well folks get you a hot cup of tea or a cold drink or a hot cup of coffee I have mine right here It's very delicious this cool morning here in Norman Oklahoma and uh, we will uh, continue with our study in Revelations so grab your Bibles And let's open up God's fantastic and powerful word. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. You know we started in the book of Revelation. And now we're in chapter 3 talking about the churches of Asia. And we're interestingly talking about the church in Philadelphia. And Jesus has nothing negative to say about these people at all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But they are in a world of hurt. And uh, Jesus is going to talk a little bit about them facing what is called the hour of trial. And we are we are always looking for security, aren't we, friend? I mean, I, I bet you if in, within the shot of my voice here in, in the broadcast that most everyone has a security system in their homes. Well those security systems aren't perfect are they sometimes they work sometimes they don't sometimes they set the alarm is set by itself sometimes there's issues sometimes there's problems no matter what kind of system you have ultimately it's not 100% proof is it well we're looking for security the church is looking for security the church is looking for assurance in living in a dark, crazy world. And we need to have the kind of security that Jesus is addressing the church at Philadelphia here with. And you know, when we first opened up this, we talked about his opening salvo, Jesus did. It's interesting when he says the words... Uh, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One the true one who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut who shuts and no one opens these are very powerful descriptions that have not up to this point been used as the descriptions were part of that vision of Jesus in chapter 1 verses 12 through 16 read that where his eyes are fire and feet are like bronze. Refined in furnace. And his, his voice is like the roar of many waters. Jesus has referred to himself with those images up to this point to the many other different churches of Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamum, Sardis. But now he uses descriptions that are completely different than that. And we studied that that these are messianic descriptions, the holy one, the true one. You remember one of the demons who spoke to Jesus understood who Jesus was. He says, are you here to torment us? You are the holy one. And you remember Peter in John chapter 6 says, where can we go? You have the words of truth. You are the holy one. You are the true one. You are the Messiah that is to come. You are the Christ, the living Christ. And then it talks about the key of David. You remember that was um, interesting using the images of key. But if you remember that was an image borrowed back in Isaiah chapter 22. In verse 20 and 22. Talking about uh, the servant come the son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt, I will commit your responsibility in his hands, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem to the house of David, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder, he shall open and no one shall shut, he shall shut and no one shall open so as we learn and as we discuss, this was an image that fostered the idea of authenticity, of authority. It represents authority over a kingdom. And so Jesus was making reference to this because he and he alone has authority over his kingdom. Can I get a big amen for that? So he begins that address, addressing to the church of Philadelphia to give them comfort of who was in charge after all in the crazy world in which they were living. And if you remember in verse 8, it says, I know your works, behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. The world tries to get us, to cast our attention away from this powerful truth, that Jesus is in control, Jesus has the door of the kingdom open, no one can shut it, no matter how bad things are, no matter how ugly things may be happening to you, no matter the persecution, no matter the suffering, no matter what, Jesus is in control. I know He says that you have but little power. Isn't that interesting? He, Jesus, addressed. What is He talking about? I know that you have little power. Well, it could be talking about small in numbers, or it could be talking about uh, lack of uh, influence in a wicked and dark world in which they live. Could be a combination of both. Irregardless. He says, "You have little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord and amen." So we find ourselves in verse 10, and we're going to complete this discussion here in chapter in chapter 3 starting in verse 10 through verse 13. So Jesus is giving them hope, assurance, and security. Nothing physically that happens to you Jesus is pointing out can affect our spiritual condition can can affect our spiritual position our state before God you're in his kingdom he says I have a door that's open and no one can shut it that represents assurance that represents a kind of security that no one else in the world has outside of Jesus Christ Once we pursue Christ. Once we devote our hearts to him. Nothing. No one. No thing. Nothing created. Can remove. Our salvation. Can I get a big amen. So let's read verse 10. He says. Because you have kept my word. About patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial. That is coming on the whole world. To try those who dwell on the earth. It's coming. There's gonna be an hour of trial. It's coming. Jesus says that I'm gonna keep you. A powerful word, powerful description. It means to guard, to keep one in the same state, to preserve what much needed security that they needed. I will keep you from the hour of trial. That is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. He says it's going to happen. It's happening right now. It's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to be a trial. It's going to be a test. You're going to be tried. No one is immune. Only Christ can keep us in our state of salvation. Only Christ can keep us true. Only your faith and love and devotion to him will keep you settled and firm no matter what happens around you Jesus is promising the church there that I'm going to hold you in the palm of my hand I'm going to hide you I'm going to to protect your heart and soul I'm going to protect you from whatever is happening to you and there were some big things happening to them because if you remember in verse 9 behold I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie behold I will make them come And bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. They were getting hit hard, apparently. And Jesus knew he needed to offer them those powerful words, those powerful promises of protection and security. It's important that we understand what he is not saying. And what he is not saying that I'm going to keep you from participating in suffering. I'm going to keep you from hardships. Everything's going to be perfect. You know, we hear this being taught over and over again. All you need to do is become a Christian and everything's going to be all right. Nothing's going to ever happen to you and all you need to do is, is pull up And the train of grace and the train of salvation and the train of goodness will always be a a part of your life. And you won't have to suffer one hour. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a wonderful thought? Well, the problem is, it's not the truth. And don't buy into it. In fact, if you recall, we just got through reading there in verse 9 that they were attacked. Jesus says, you have not denied my name. They are being assaulted on every side, on every angle. To the point that their influence is not as powerful as it once was. Or small in number. So he's not saying that you won't suffer and you won't have to endure hardships. In fact, they have already had endured quite a lot of persecution. Jesus is promising that this will continue. Suffering, persecution, trouble, hardships. The good news is that they are in the hands of Jesus. The good news is they will be kept spiritually. They will be guarded. They will be preserved. Preserved. You see, friend, God is using all of His, we're pooling all of His resources, energy, power, grace, love, sacrificing His Son on the cross, not to keep you from suffering, we've got to look at the bigger picture, but to save you from the second death. To keep you saved. God's purpose in all of this is to save our souls from eternal punishment. Amen. Just remember that fact. Verse 11. Let's read it together. Verse 11. I am coming soon. We sing that song. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. This is where you get that. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Amen? Hold fast. Hold fast to what? Hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to your faith in Jesus Christ. Hold fast to Jesus friend. Don't let them go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold fast. Verse 12. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem. Which comes down from my God out of heaven. And my own new name. You can just read those promises over and over again. And get excited. Two unbelievable promises Jesus makes. You who have devoted your life. You who are faithful unto death. You who have... Held on to Jesus Christ, no matter the outcome, no matter what happened to them. He says, "I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God." What does that represent? Shout it out, friend! Just shout it out. What does that represent to you? I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Well, it it represents security and permanence. Amen. Never shall he go. Out of it. Never. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. Never shall he go out of it. Security, permanence, found in Christ. Notice that second beautiful promise. I will write on him the name of my God. And later he says, My own new name. Mmm. <laughs> I love that part. And that is the idea of ownership. Who owns you? Who has your heart, friend? Who has your soul in the palm of his hand? I pray it's Jesus Christ. This new name. My own new name. Jesus promises. I will write on you like the city Of my God in New Jerusalem. Which comes down from my God out of heaven. It's that idea of. Ownership. We are his. Personally known. Here's my people Jesus is declaring. Here are my true brothers and sisters. Friend. Powerful. Powerful study. Here. In Revelation chapter 3. Verses 7. Through 13 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches security assurance permanence ownership these are all can only be found in Jesus Christ the holy one the true one the one who has the key the one who opens and no one will shut who shuts and no one will close and no one will open. Those who are devoted to Christ and are faithful are His people. We are His. Never to be removed. Always a part of His kingdom. Receiving spiritual blessings. Never to lose our position in Him. Never to lose our hope our assurance of eternal life. No matter the outcome. No matter what is going on around us. No matter how terrible we're suffering. No matter the hardships we face. No matter the difficulties that we have. All you need to do is remind yourself. Who is in control. And his name is Jesus. And that's our study friend. For this broadcast. And now folks we have the conclusion to name that Bible character here was your clue here was friend I said I know that my redeemer liveth who am I well it was Job that's right Job Job, chapter 19 verse 25 for I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth Amen. I said I know that my Redeemer liveth. Who am I? Job. in name that Bible character. Well friend, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever. A follower of Jesus Christ by submitting your heart, mind, and soul to Him in remission of sins. By giving yourself over to His call for you to be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and peace that passes all understanding. No matter what season you are in. Friend, I just want to tell you what a privilege and honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless you. Amen, folks. And glory. Hallelujah.